Welcome to Square One, powered by FinTech TV. Today, we once again dove into the messy world of healthcare. And specifically, we focused on innovation in consumer healthcare. Healthcare, as we've discussed before on the show, especially in the US, is complex, convoluted, and perplexing. While we spend anywhere from 50 to 200% more money than other developed nations, our quality of care here in the US is materially worse. When we introduce technology into healthcare, it opens up a wide variety of opportunities. And it's why today I was so excited to be joined Ron Shaw, co-founder and chief product officer at K-Health. K is one of the most dynamic and interesting companies currently in consumer healthcare. K has raised close to $300 million and is one of the few consumer healthcare companies that's created an enviable data set of anonymized health data. And this has allowed their AI and machine learning to surface incredibly applicable insights to customers. Welcome, Ron. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Really nice. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Ron, excited to have you on today. We're going to talk a bunch about healthcare and, and K-Health, the company you co-founded and have raised a little bit over you know, a quarter billion dollars for. I want to start first with the backdrop of healthcare today. You know, healthcare is one of three industries um, that have become more expensive over the last 30 years, right? Along with education and construction. Maybe just give us a better sense of, you know, what's going on in the in the industry and, and why are we on the opposite side of the cost curve, you know, than ideally where we would want to be? Well, it's, it's getting worse. It's getting even worse. I was, um, interesting you asked that. I was thinking, I was sitting down with um, a business owner. Um, he has uh, tens of thousands of employees. And he's basically coming and say, look, I, every year I pay 8% more for my healthcare for my employees and nothing is really better. Yeah. You don't have an 8% increase in medicine quality. Actually, the opposite happens. So I think what happened in healthcare America at the moment is that the system took over. We are no longer able to control. It's a monster. It's feed itself. And you have so many inefficiencies. It can be a trillion a trillion and a half, it's not billions of wasteful care. And if you think about it, when you go see a doctor, which is the moment that you actually get in care, around that moment, there is so many other services and other cost drivers that makes this bloated. Um, and eventually the way to fix it with regulation, government, state is actually the wrong way. The only way we can actually attract is bringing back the consumer into healthcare. If you think about it, in most industries, when you want to do something, you are involved in your own journey. Let's say you want to go to somewhere nice that you've never been to. You want to travel. You go online, you research, you go on different sites, you can see the place. You read about it. You have so much information around you that you can make decision. When you are sick, you got nothing. You basically are doomed in the fate of the physician that if you're lucky, you can see. What we see today is a primary care crisis in the US. About 30 to 50% of America cannot access yeah. a physician when they wanted to manage ongoing care. So it gives us an opportunity to apply data and science in order to fix that problem. Yep. Yeah, I think one of the most alarming things I, I learned, and, and I think there's a direct correlation between you know, how, how expensive healthcare has gotten and how untethered it's actually become from actual patient care, which you were just explaining, 
So I think over the last 50 years, physician growth has actually been relatively flat, but administrative growth has gone up by like 4,000 plus percent. You know, maybe you can maybe you can educate us or give us a little bit more perspective as to, you know, intuitively when you think of the healthcare system, to your point just now, I mean, doctors are caring for us, right? And maybe there's these ancillary services, et cetera, you can provide, but that delta shouldn't be, you know, as extreme, you know, as that. What what's going on on that kind of physician and administrative growth side? Yeah, that um when we started care, I read a book, um, it's called Catastrophic Care. It was describing how we build the healthcare in America, how it all started with uh, employers paying for insurance. But if you think eventually, we are locked into a certain payment system that recognized a payment when there is the delivery of care. And we're using internally, uh, some people will be familiar with the idea of CPT codes, which is a way of capturing what actually happened to you. And the system is tuned for giving you services. And it's not necessarily the services that you need. So you come into a doctor office and you want to see the doctor and you want to be able to express your condition and deal with it. But around that visit, there is a lot of other fees that you would incur. For example, in the beginning of the doctor visit, you will see a nurse. That's another way of thinking about billing and creating revenue. Then you will go on a scale. Why would you want to go on a scale in the doctor office? You have a scale at home. That is another level of service. Then you will have your blood pressure measure. What's the point of measuring your blood pressure at the moment if you don't have a high blood pressure? You will do that too. Then you will order a few labs. Is it exactly necessarily? No, not necessarily, but maybe yes, maybe no. And you, what you have is an over-treatment. Add to that all the players in the market. Like if you look at the pharma markets, there are six or seven different hands in between getting a drug into a patient. All of those people needs to feed themselves. So you have PBMs player and you have distributor players and all of them are cutting into this and adding more costs into the system. One of the areas that is really alarming in healthcare is EMR records. The expense on medical record is reaching 10% of a practice. That's like a tax by itself. Imagine that you're paying 10% of your gross revenue business to a medical record company that holds that. That will translate into increasing fees and all of that. And that's, I think, what happens. And there's a way to control it. But at the moment, we are looking at a, at a, at a situation that a lot of people are working, are actually working for this idea of fee for service. Therefore, you see that growth in expense. Yeah. Yeah. And the result is you have, you know, anywhere from your US healthcare system that's anywhere from, I think, 50 to 200% more expensive than other developed nations and market mar- markedly lower, you know, care and outcome. So let, let's talk about K-Health, right? Tell us a little bit more about the company, the state of the business today. And, and I have to say, Ron, I, I want you to share your perspective on your mission statement. It's K-Health is healthcare without the system. I love that, especially because of how broken our system is. So maybe you can shed some light also on, um, you know, in addition to the business, what, what that mission statement means, you know, to you all and, and why you picked it. Yeah, we, we wanted to create, in the essence of K, we wanted to create access, to high quality care. We wanted to be able to democratize the ability to understand 
7.5 billion people in the world, when they wake up, when something is painful, will ask the same three questions. What do I have? What else could it be? And how do we treat it? And we thought that if we can apply data and AI to understand and teach computer differential diagnosis, which is the ability to understand and answer those questions, we're gonna be able to distribute knowledge more evenly in the world. People are gonna be able to go on things that are not scary and confusing like Dr. Google and WebMD. They're gonna be able to go and understand better what they have. And more than that, they're gonna be able to expand their physician what they have and the physician is gonna be able to treat them in a higher quality manner. So the idea, if you think about the mission of K-Health, is this empowerment, is the ability to give you control back in your health journey. Is this, this is what our actually our members and our 5 million users are telling us. With K-Health, I can determine, and I'm not just flowing in the system, I can control the system. The system works for me as opposed to being rerouted. And then eventually, what happens is on a quest to build personalized information access point, we realize that we need to go full stack. If we want to change the way people receive care, we should also control and understand how we manage the care delivery component. And therefore, once we established our AI and we taught the machine to understand the language of medicine, we created a service layer that is attached to it. So on a platform, you can basically ask the question, is this is a migraine? Is this is a tension headache? Or is this is a brain tumor? And then you can also get in front of a doctor in a magical 15 minutes time, texting like you would do an everyday thing and figuring out if you need to get medication, you will get a medication and so forth and so on. Yeah. I want to double click on the on the data piece uh, because a number of companies have been started out, you know, as portals for consumer knowledge. You referenced, you know, WebMD, for example. the The biggest challenge in healthcare, again, from an outside in perspective, has for, uh, has been how difficult it's been to actually get access to ground truth data, right? Specifically, electronic healthcare records. So you can form, you know, the greatest AI, the greatest software in the world, et cetera. But if you don't have an actual, you know, underlying truthful or large enough data set you know, those algorithms and that software can't really actually be applied to the efficacy that it could be if you had a large data set. I think you guys have uniquely made some interesting strides there specifically on data sources and how you've been able to pull that in, you know, to your product itself. Maybe talk a little bit more about, you know, the state of electronic health care records, you know, digitization of data in healthcare, and then how you guys have actually been able to, I think, wedge in interesting ways you know, to surface and, and get some of that data into your, into your platform. Yeah, things have changed a lot in the last five years. Five years ago, when me and my co-founder and CEO, Alon Bloch, started this idea, we were speaking to several players in the U.S. market and realized that actually no one has the data we wanted. We wanted the meaty-gritty, underlying reasoning that the physician have written in the note to explain the decision process to drive into a certain diagnosis and treatment. We call them doctor notes in a general way. This is when a doctor says, I've seen Ron Scholl. He has a headache for three days. 
He doesn't have an abdominal pain. He's on this medication. He has this chronic condition. Therefore, his diagnosis is this and his treatment is this. That's the nitty gritty. We were talking about people with people who publish peer reviewed. A lot of people wanted to give us claims data, which is beneficial, but it's mostly billing data if you think about it. Okay. It's why we pay going back to the idea. So we were very fortunate to be able to contract with um, a, a fully integrated HMO in Israel. Think about like the Kaiser Permanente of Israel. Yeah. Um, Professor Vada Shalev, who led the enterprise back then, and also the CEO of the company, uh, Maccabi Healthcare, Ransar, they, they believed in us. They basically says, here's a way to use, to apply mathematics, to democratize the ability to access um, available information. We were able to use anonymization uh, techniques and basically eventually access the de-identified data of millions of people and mostly important, also longitudinal data, which means that I know what happened in the past and I know it for many, many years over time because we know disease and chronic condition progress over time. Yeah. And this is, was the, the initial idea that we use natural language processing and AI to create an ontology which is basically a way to tell you, we have about 150,000 medical features that a computer understand. When you tell K you have a headache, K is ready to ask you, how long, where is it impulsating on all of that stuff? And this is the knowledge. Now things have changed. We also contract with uh, the Mayo Clinic and we have access to their entire um, anonymized data there. So we can also, and we also have our own data. We have millions of users that we are manufacturing and that. And I think that was one of the bets we did. We could easily be tempted to build our algorithm based on protocolized decision trees, but we thought that in order to create intelligent machine, we will have to have the underlying fuel, the data. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the data set to me, Ron, is especially interesting because in one sense, you know, it's obviously beneficial for the end customers you serve, right? You can surface a lot of the insights in the product. So if I'm a consumer and I'm coming in and I'm saying I've got a, I've got a headache or so, exactly to your point, there's a whole bunch of questions, further details, et cetera, that, that Kay can ask and get me a better uh, diagnosis. And you can, you know, slice that by demographics, geos, ages, et cetera. Um, I think you guys recently launched a childcare product, you know, mental health is a newer vertical, so allows you to also go into different areas. Uh, I, I had a thought actually yesterday in, in preparation for our discussion, which is you, at a more macro level, if you think about it, in a sense, it kind of feels like K could serve as the AWS for new healthcare companies. And what I mean by that is if I was coming into the market today and building a sort of, you know, building any sort of application if I could plug in on top of your data set, because most healthcare companies, especially consumer healthcare companies, you know, they, they devise their AI and they make their AI stronger just from native data of their users. And so it's really a race to get as many users as you can. But if you have these other sources of data, you have your consumer you know, data as well, and they are you know, to the scale at which you guys are, um, it actually presents a pretty interesting opportunity to build all sorts of different applications on top. That might be completely crazy. I'm curious if that even resonates with you. And if so, you know, maybe we can unpack that, you know, a little bit more and, and some of those parallels. Look, I, I don't want to get into, uh, you, you're hitting, you're hitting us in a, in a very good spot um, without getting into too much of road bad discussions. Sure. If you think about it, when people come to K, 
they provide us a valuable data set. They are giving us the medical history. They are establishing care from a perspective of telling us their most intimate underlying symptoms and conditions. And we need to use this data and we need to be a trusted source to mobilize what I call resolutions for them. And let's say they have a specific problem they want to solve. This is the right time for us to create an ecosystem that we can bring additional services to use into that data. The devil is in the details here. We need to be very careful. Anonymization is a really hard topic that we invest a lot of time in. But I think you're spot on on thinking about how we scale the use of data overall. Yeah. And how do you just, and maybe we can take a step back also, right, um, without going too deep in, in, in kind of case specific use case, but how do you think as an operator, how do you think about the tensions of opening that data set up, right, allowing other folks to potentially build applications on top? And we've obviously seen, you know, kind of open source and API models and in every other space versus actually saying, you know, from a competitive perspective, it's actually significantly more advantageous for us to keep that data locked down, right? and surface it in the benefit of our users. And so our users are getting the benefit of those insights or so, um, but from a business perspective or an ecosystem perspective, it's more advantageous for us to keep that data set you know, under wraps as opposed to surfacing it you know, like we see and like we do in, in other industries. Yeah, I think um, something that helps me figure if I, I can progress the, use the data to progress the practice of medicine. Yeah. And, make it in such a way that our data is able to prove. And that's why I like work with academics and researchers and be able to show that, for example, there is a new way of practicing medicine and impact the change of medicine. It takes about 17 years to change something in delivery of care these days. It still happens like that. You have to go through all of that process. The beauty about our platform is that the data is also connected to care delivery. So I think we need to be careful about who we share the data with and how we're actually going to do that. But we also were already working on peer reviews and people that are going to be able to mobilize our data for the greater good. And that's the company K wants to be. And eventually, we want to be remembered as a company that changed medicine. Because if you think about it, our medicine is still small data, not big data. We are still looking at several problems. We cannot connect genetics to most of primary care we can still not connect sleep behavior to actually chronic condition. Those links have not been connected. So if we can create those islands and learn and create more connection, I think we're gonna become more personalized and medicine will progress. Yeah, so let's talk actually about some of those types of applications, right? So you have, I'm, I'm imagining kind of a barbell or a spectrum. You have consumers kind of all the way on the left, you've got research and academics, you know, all the way on the right, and you've got a whole smattering of different players in the middle, government, health systems, large pharma, you know, insurance, et cetera. What are some of the types of you know, applications that you guys get really excited about, right? When you're not just thinking about you know, the specific end consumer itself, but even all these other shareholders with your, or stakeholders, I should say, with your data set, you know, that can actually improve their understanding of medicine as well. Maybe we can talk about some examples if you have any in mind, you know, how, how this data set, how your guys' product actually allows for other people in the ecosystem to improve you know, their service as well. Yeah, so if you think about the whole world of wearable and devices, you think about the big players in the field, 
and the Fitbit of the world have not managed yet to connect any of the wearables data to actually medically decisioning. Yeah. That's one area that we may want to consider to bring that data and to connect it to that medical record so we can create those correlations and we can understand not just that how many steps do I work, but how those steps relate to my physical and mental health. That could be one idea that we, we will work on. Yeah, yeah. I wanna switch gears just a little bit and talk about um, innovating in regulated industries, right? So part of the reason why we kind of look again at construction, housing, you know, healthcare, I mentioned those are, those are kind of the three horsemen of the American economy right now. All of those industries have lagged significantly so in, in large part to um, how heavy handed regulation has been in each of those spaces. Obviously, you know, much harder to innovate in healthcare. Um, that's a strength. And, and in some sense, it's an opportunity as well. So I'd love to hear a little bit more, Ron, about your experience building in this sector. What were some of the surprising you know, challenges or opportunities you, know, you guys ran into in coming into such a highly regulated space? Yeah, well, highly regulated is an understatement. Um, <laughs> I actually want to tell you that I um, feel like there is more willingness to change than you would think. Hmm. I think this is a burning problem at the moment. Um, we, for example, had to face with the idea that we are a great believer, for example, with text-based medicine. We hmm. think that if you moving from synchronous to asynchronous, it's just more um, easier to use, more natural for people to communicate. And we realized that not all states and not all states in the US, I mean, allowed that. And we had to adopt our system in order to do that. But when we actually start speaking to the regulators, we realized that there is a willingness to, to actually make a change. And we're working today with our partners and Antem uh, as leader in thinking about how we actually going to create more consumer-centric medicine delivery product in order to change the influence of, of care. So some areas in the regulatory is actually very um, open in order to do. We just need to create the right process and influence at the right places, which usually takes time for a company to, to do. Yeah. I, it, one of the things about highly regulated industries that's just interesting to me is you often have really archaic rules, right? Um, I come from a legal background. There's still rules about, you know, needing to have a JD to do basic legal work, uh, which is a huge impediment in my opinion. I mean, paralegals, frankly, technology could do a lot of that work at, at much, much lower costs, which then ultimately gets downstream passed on to customers, right? And so in, in the legal space, we kind of call it, you know, improving access to justice, meaning, you know, getting more people you know, the legal support that they need. I think access to care, right? A phrase that you use earlier is, is very similar. Where are some of the unlocks, you know, that you guys can see, of course, you know, that, that in many ways is the core product and the company you guys are building, but where are, you know, those elements or those leverage points of unlock, you know, you see in healthcare? Uh, CMS will be the most one. Um, define, that, define that term for us. Uh, the center of medical, the, the Medicare and Medicaid, um, they will be the most influential one. Um, and they were leading the pandemic in the way of thinking about releasing some of the constraint for telemedicine. Um, and the idea that they are still 
um, leading the charge for remote patient monitoring, what you can do. Um, they are leading the charge on how virtual care can evolve, uh, will be the, probably the most influential because then everyone follows their leads yeah. and all the commercial insurance follow the leads. And then eventually it's influencing the states and how they think about the regulation. So those, those groups in the government are highly influential. Obviously, the medical board in each state also had a lot to do with how we practice medicine in this, um, in this world, in the, in the nation. And that will be another place that you can think about people like in California and in New York that a lot of other states are looking at from that perspective. Yep. Ron, as we, as we round out the discussion, I'm, I'm curious to get, you, get your thoughts on in healthcare specifically, you know, is it harder to go from zero to one or one to n? We and, and I'll take a step back. You know, we typically paint a pretty broad brush, I think, across startups um, and separate those two phases, right? So for folks that are listening, zero to one is really the phase of finding product market fit, you know, getting to something, you know, that we believe it's it's not just an idea, it can be a company. And then one to n, of course, is, is scaling and executing. Um, typically, the zero to one phase is, is much more difficult in companies than the one to n phase. Uh, for some reason in this, again, this might be completely wrong. I, I feel like the, my intuition is telling me that in healthcare and in your space specifically, the one to N is actually significantly more challenging. What's your perspective on that dichotomy? And, and maybe you can share with us, you know, some of those kind of challenges, again, difficulties, you know, obstacles, opportunities, et cetera, both in the zero to one phase and, and the one to N phase for you guys. That's a fascinating, you know, that's a fascinating question, actually. I don't know if I know. I think uh, both of them are really hard. Um, <laughs> It does feel to me like looking from the outside, it looks to me like the point of entry to healthcare is now are it's easier. It's yeah. like you can spin out quite quickly some sort of a service layer, find a niche because it's an ocean of and there's so much money and 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 cost associated. You can find a way to do more verticalized areas and focus on them and get company going. And then when you really want to start scanning it, it becomes a bigger problem. Um, having said that, for us individually in the K, the first part was the riskiest and hardest one because we had to teach a machine the language of medicine. And we didn't know if it's going to work. We hoped it's going to work. We believed it's going to work, but we had to see that a machine will be able to understand all the details around differential diagnosis. So I feel like between one zero and one and one and n, can't really say to you. It feels like both of them are have the same magnitude of uh, of complexity. Well, Ron, this is this is awesome. You know, I, I so appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your thoughts and excited to see how how K continues to innovate and, and build moving forward, especially, you know, with the with a nice recent, you know, capitalization. So thanks again. Thanks for spending the time with us. And um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.